0: Hello and welcome to the staff room with Chain Pav. Thank you for joining us today for our ninth episode of season one. Today we are talking about a topic that is not always very well received by a lot of teachers and that is professional development. I know that I sometimes cringe at the thought of having to receive professional development but you need not worry because today we got you covered. We will take care of all of your PD needs. But before we get knee deep into that topic, uh, let's get knee deep into introductions. My name is Pav and I am half of this dynamic duo hosting team. Sitting next to me is my partner in crime, Che. Che, welcome and hello.
1: Right now, you gotta ask yourself one question. Do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? And welcome to the staff room with Cheney and Wander. Two things to talk about just from hearing you go at the beginning. One, nine episode. I thought we'd be canceled by now. I please need some sort of contract extension or signing bonus. 1.3 million, 1.7 million, somewhere in that range would be great. The first eight episodes were dynamite, and I've been known to come through in the clutch. So 1.9 seems, you know, not that far off.
0: I think that sounds fair
1: hundred percent. As for PD, as soon as you said PD, I almost stopped and canceled myself from this episode. Took a sick day. Oh, code 10, (laughs) code 10, code 10. PD, I don't do PD. Uh,
0: Yeah. So PD, like I said, uh, not... Sometimes you think about PD and the moaning and groaning starts. Oh, no, we have to participate in professional development today. We got PD days. We got staff meetings. There's some, We'll talk a, lo- a lot about the different kinds of PD that's generally offered in school. But um, but it doesn't have to be so bad. We'll talk a little bit about it and some of the ways that uh, professional development can sometimes not be so efficient, not so well delivered. But there are ways to uh, to ramp it up, to... To make it better, there are a lot of flaws in traditional professional development, as a lot of us know it, but uh, there's definitely ways to improve it and definitely things that we can work on as individuals and as teams.
1: So as our theme, we have it that PD is broken down into two distinct categories, self-driven PD and top-down PD, designed by your office, your school, your admin. You're bored, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of both, or specifically which ones we like, and then the cons of the other one. But in good teaching, if we're going to attack one, <clears throat> namely top-down PD, we want to come up with some solutions to maximize and make it better because we are certainly going to argue that self-driven PD is the best type of PD. It provides maximum output for my students, but we realize. The top-down PD is probably the ones that we're most common with, most familiar with. And these are the ones that are in abundance. And we have some suggestions on how to make them better for our teachers. And if they're better for our teachers, they're going to maximize learning in our classrooms and for our students.
0: That's right. Um, top-down PD. Now, schools schools, and school boards get money. To uh, to administer professional development for their teachers, we get professional development days offered throughout the year, uh, which are part of our contracts. And so we show up to work uh, for those. And, uh, and and you know the administration and rightly so they want to offer us some professional development, and that's fair. I think that what happens, though, is as as deadlines approach and as uh, administrators get closer to that professional development day, they start thinking about, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then the rush begins. You know, well, what are our needs? What does the data say? And we we haven't really sat down to to take a close look at what the school really needs, what the majority of the teachers really need, and um, and then they develop something, a blanket sort of. Um, you know, cover as much ground as we can type of professional development to administer for that day. Do we ever really get very deep into the information that we're receiving on days like that? I don't think so. I don't know about you, Che. Do you ever feel like we really get into the depth of of what we're trying to explore on those
1: days? 90% of our PD is an article I read on Edutopia three weeks before, almost predictably so. Uh, So, I agree. It doesn't tend to be very deep. I don't know how deep it can be. One of the things that we think with top-down PD or its limitations is it can't really maximize every teacher in that session. The same way as a teacher, not every student is maximized by your lesson unless you differentiate, unless it's quick fast paced, variety of topics, really engaged some pre-teaching and some solidifying of the work afterwards. And our teacher PD doesn't tend to be that. It's like, listen to a one hit wonder. It's a one-off and it can be a big turnoff because of just that. Often the material... It's fun-ish, it's interesting-ish, but it's not poignant, it's not right on point. I can rant right now that if I go into a PD and the first word out of the instructor's mouth are, we're here for the kids, I'm out. If your second theme is that you need to motivate me to teach, I'm out, I'm disconnected. Don't ever come to me and tell me, we're here for the children. I know that, I figured that out 15, 16, 17, 27 years ago. Or if you think you need to rah-rah motivate me, Hercules, Hercules, boom. I don't need that either. You don't know what I'm doing in my room if you think you need to motivate me. You don't know what I'm doing in this school if you think you need to remind me that I'm here for the children. And it's not the instructor's fault. This is part of the problem of having mass wide PD. Where do I start? Where am I gonna connect with my staff? I, as a teacher, I'm out. I'm disconnected when you start PD like that because I already know, not that you maliciously don't know, You just don't know where I'm at as an educator. I want to be better. I want to be better in the classroom. But don't think that you need to motivate me to teach. Don't think you need to remind me that I'm here for the children. If that's where you think I'm at, we are such a disconnect from where I'm at. I already know I'm not going to maximize from this PD session. You don't need to motivate me. I am highly motivated.
0: Wow. That was a lot of fire. We can edit that out, right? (laughs) We don't need to edit that out. That was great. That's, that's the kind of passion that we, uh, we feel, you know, going into a lot of these professional development sessions. I just want to take the, uh, the perspective of that instructor, that guest speaker that comes in for that professional development. Now, I'm pretty sure that these instructors know the lay of the land. They've been to a ton of schools in the past. They've been hired to do the same thing by all kinds of different administration, every school in the neighborhood, this is their job. And so they, they come into a school and they possibly, they already assume that we, we don't wanna be doing this, that we rather be up in our rooms grading tests or you know planning for uh, whatever lessons are gonna be happening the following week. But you know, the the instructor comes in and and takes on this role of the sage on stage, right? This person is the the one that should know it all, that you know, he's got the experience. He or she has got the experience and is going to offer that that professional development for everyone in the room, under the assumption that we are all possibly beginners, right? and And we may not all be. As you say that uh, you and I have done a lot of research in the last little while. Uh, read tons of articles, shared a lot of information, a lot of pedagogy with one another. Um, so we' we're, we're on we might be on a different level than other people in the classroom. But that instructor's job is to get that information out uh, to everyone uh, blanket it across the board and um, and possibly not get very deep because there are going to be people at different levels. So you just give that basic information and hope that everybody is taking what they have to say um and and pushing it further and then the motivational piece i think that you know a lot of these instructors come in under the assumption that we are not motivated and possibly that's the issue that's where you know i agree with you 100% that if you're going to tell me that i need to be motivated for my job i'm not interested in what you have to say anymore because i was way motivated before they before they actually arrived so um you know i agree with you 100% but we also have to remember that these instructors were hired to do the job that they are doing for this sole purpose. And But there are still ways that we can make it better. There are still ways that we can improve on that. And and we'll get into that in a little bit.
1: I got to back you 100%. I understand no administration, no instructor is coming with the, the negative approach or negative mindset of where I am as a teacher. It's just, it highlights my initial point was that Our teachers are all on different planes or levels, and maybe not even necessarily one's better than the other, just different. And so that PD really needs to be specialized. I think of my students' IEPs. I want PD that's absolutely directly for what I want, something that can impact me immediately. And so I will grant you 100%. I've never met an instructor that I didn't say didn't like or didn't think that they weren't trying or anything like that. But when you're talking to 60 people and you have baseline checkpoints you want to touch upon, it just doesn't tend to maximize. And if I want professional development, I as an educator am thirsty for you to give me something that I can bring back to my classroom the next day. But if we're so general and vague on where we're starting and what we're offering, it'll be cute. But like I said, it's quite often and. Edutopia article from three weeks before, which probably already read and I probably already incorporated, if I have read it, the things I wanted to do because they are great articles. But it's just where am I at? I want IEP. I want specialized. I want you to wow me with something specific I can bring to the room. You don't need to motivate me. You don't need to remind me for here for children. But I do agree with you. I understand that it's no one malicious thinking poorly of me. How do you construct valuable PD for 60 people? Well, the same way when I run my classroom. How do I construct valuable lessons on a one-off, on a one-hit wonder if I'm just coming for once? You might have some short-term games on a one-off But in regards to, if I make the comparison, teaching and PD, when I'm teaching, having a great lesson is a great lesson because I come back and I solidify and I touch base on it a week later and I check back in three weeks later. If your PD is a one-off with one guest performer and they come in one time, it may actually make me better the next day. But I can rest assured there's gonna be no long-term impacts because there's no coming back and there's no solidifying and there's no reconnecting. But this will come back when we talk about how to make top-down PD effective. But Pav, why don't you set us up by talking about what is self-driven PD?
0: I can talk about self-driven PD. I know that we've been doing this for a while now, and um, I, I can tell you that in the last couple of months, I've done more self-driven PD than I have in the past 12, 13 years that I've been teaching. So it's been um, it's been quite the ride, and preparing for you know our episodes and such, we've done so much reading and so much research, and uh, I've learned a ton. But self-directed professional development, it's pretty self-explanatory. You Find an area of interest for you to grow on. So it requires a lot of reflecting, I think, in the beginning. You need to know what areas of your teaching program, what areas of of the curriculum you potentially want to become better at. Perhaps there's something you saw on Twitter. Perhaps there's something you saw in a colleague's room. Um, You've heard about a project that's being done. You've heard about a new concept, um, which is often a, a concept that's, you know, a new name for a concept that's been around for quite some time, but we can talk about that another time. (laughs) Sure Um,
1: can. Can I cut you off just for a second? Yeah. Reminds me when media literacy became a thing. Yes. A big thing. (laughs) Oh, revolutionary. We're going to teach media literacy never taught before. And then the librarian in a comical relief dropped this big document, media literacy, 1978.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) 1978.
1: That's right. That was my 10th year teaching back in 1978. (laughs) <laughs> been a long time. I've come full circle sixteen times. Actually, I've been circled over and over. It's almost like driving the Indy Five Hundred.
0: But but, it, but you're right. We I've been in PD sessions with teachers in the school that are saying, "Wait wait wait a second. This sounds a lot like what we were doing twenty years ago." And I remember having you know professional development on the exact same thing, but it was called something different. Um, Inquiry based learning. Was something that you know a couple of years ago when the buzz started for inquiry-based learning. I'm thinking to myself, oh, this just sounds like project-based or problem-based learning, where you know you you come up with a problem that is affecting your community and and you work to solve that problem. So I feel like a lot of a lot of these things.
1: Someone's earning big grant money by renaming that condition. By,
0: that's right, and and so we've got <laughs> sort of uh, we renaming of these things that happen over the years, but you know, you develop, you, you do a lot of reflecting, you figure out what you want to improve at, and then you do your research. You go out there, you meet people, you find workshops that you could possibly attend. Um, what another, one of the, uh, types of professional development, the traditional types that we didn't touch upon so much was, uh, conferences and workshops. And, uh, in Canada, I remember when I started teaching, um, There were a lot more conferences available for us to attend back then. And I know Che and I talked a little bit briefly about this, that we had a lot of options. Getting to know a lot of people that are teachers in the States, um, we've come across several conferences on Twitter that we were thinking, oh, this would be really fun to attend. This would be really great. But we don't have the options here in Canada um, or in Toronto or, you know. Maybe we're not coming across them, but we don't we don't necessarily get the opportunity to attend these so much. Um, But you can you can sign up for self-driven PD. You can sign up for these conferences and get to know, um, you know, different workshops that are out there for things that you might be interested in. Uh, I know a lot of these are offered on weekends and after school, but there it's still, you know, you want to get better at something, self-driven PD, that's the way to go. You research, you find out what you want to learn about, and and you go out and you attend these, these uh, you read up on it, you attend these workshops, do what you need to do to get better at your craft.
1: The facilitator of athletics would like to speak.
0: Oh, you mean the gym guy?
1: The gym guy wants to talk. <laughs> Self-driven PD. It is anything and everything that Pav's talked about. It's simply reading. You got your phone, you got apps, you have flipboards an app. You just tap in your search engine as education. I've been reading articles for it before it was flipboard, it was Zeit. For years and years and years that you could read and make impact the next morning. Watching YouTube videos. There's so much YouTube videos out there that you can connect to that can change. TED Talks. You go watch TED Talks. You can find psychology and science on how kids should read and poetry and and – why, the big why kids should do things. There's all kinds of stuff. You can explore with EduChats. We talked about Twitter. You can talk with your peers. An extension of that, we've been podcasting. This has been unbelievable, self-driven PD. Every Friday night when I used to just go off from my gym or my ball, I'm still doing it. Still doing it because you know I'm a facilitator of athletics. But before that, I'm going to stop and just talk teaching. And and it's fabulous, I'm engaged, I'm connected, I'm thinking. So ultimately, these are self-driven. Um, you can take courses, courses are sort of like in the middle of a course, like I take an AQ course. Maybe your admin has led you on that way, but perhaps you found one yourself, engaging in online courses. Those are great ways for PD. The issues become is what's easier to monitor. Top-down PD, it's easier to facilitate. I know I'm happening it. I know every student's doing it. If I'm going the opposite, this self-driven PD and, and teachers are doing these things and they're doing that things and they're watching videos and they're making podcasts or they're writing, how many teachers have their own blogs, but how do I facilitate this? How do I monitor this? How do I bring this back to my school? And like you, Pat, talk about understanding our instructors, this is how you understand how our schools can't solely rely on self-driven PD. There's no doubt it's the most effective. But how do I ensure all my teachers are doing it? And if they're doing it, how do I ensure I bring the content back to my school?
0: I think a lot of that has to do with um, some of the some of the recommendations that we're going to offer to the top down PD. We can we can really integrate both the self driven PD and the top down PD into you know our professional development days uh but we'll talk about that in a few minutes i think this might be a really good time to to take a little bit of a a break from talking about professional development and talk a little bit about a brand new segment that we're offering on the staff room um over the past couple of months we started when we started the podcast we've met so many people so many people on twitter and other way and in other forums um that we are just in awe of.
1: By people following us, by right. us following them, by tapping into articles people are writing and communicating, and reaching out and exploring and questioning the wonderful work that they're posting or the articles that they're posting. You're absolutely right. It has been great to connect with people.
0: That's right. Um, we... We have been so interested. You know, we we we're on Twitter, we're we're looking at things that we're finding really did you see what this person is doing? Did you th- see what they're up to? Wow, look at this program that they have going on. They've they've got a podcast. Let's listen to this podcast and see what they're talking about. Um, We find so much interest in what other educators are doing from around in around the world. Uh, And we really thought we need to bring that into our podcast as well. We need to highlight some of the cool things that are happening um, with the people that we're meeting all over the place. Teachers
1: for teachers. This is just it's no other way of the evolution of our podcast as we're talking and and, and commenting. But we're just two teachers. We're masters because we teach, but we're not PhDs, We're not gurus. We're not czars. We don't necessarily have six books under our belts. We just got frontline experience. But there's so many other masters out there that could use this platform and deserve this platform to tell their story.
0: That's right. And so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to have an opportunity for those teachers to be able to tell their story. So we have come up with a new segment that's going to be featured on our full-length episodes called three enlightened minutes. So we are going to, um, we had, today, we have the pleasure to introduce our very first three enlightened minute segment to, um, Alison Carmichael. And, uh, we will let Allison introduce her segment.
1: Can't wait.
2: Hi, I'm Alison Carmichael. And these are my three enlightened minutes. Going into my 18th year of public education and my eighth year in administration, I have struggled to manage stress. Honestly, I have taken the time to Google the number of schools in the United States to see how many other principals are really doing a better job than I am out there. And just if you're wondering, it's 150,000 schools. Uh, And I just couldn't figure it out. I thought, how are these people making it happen. How are these people staying in their career and their job and staying in their roles? And here I feel so overwhelmed, overworked, and stressed. So I began to read. I wanted to learn. I read a lot about stress management through mindfulness and meditation. The most impactful story I read was one from Buddhism. The story is a metaphor. And so basically, Uh, It goes like this. Because we're alive, we're going to suffer from pain, and that pain is uh, the first arrow. So examples of these are injuries, diagnosis of some sort, uh, maybe even something trivial like a stubbed toe. It can even be things like the experiencing the death of a loved one. So that's the first arrow. We must endure these things because we're alive and they cannot be avoided. But the way in which we react or respond to the first arrow is the second arrow. The second arrow is worry, self-doubt, maybe depression. Maybe we're scared, lack of taking a risk because we're afraid of what might happen or what might not happen. Stress, rumination, all those things, on and on and on, all those things that consume our mind. That's the second arrow. And the story is that you don't have to accept the second arrow. The second arrow is optional. And that's when I really realized that I was not a victim of my job. I have an option in here. I I have a choice. It was a revelation to me. And so I learned to meditate. I really put these mindful tools to work to break that second arrow. I was so changed by my learning. I have this now drive to tell others about it. I think because I'm a teacher and that's just what we do. But I also talk to a lot of principals. I've told them what I'm doing. And I realized that those 150,000 other guys out there are just as crazy as I am. And they need these tools as well. So my mission, Second Arrow's mission, is to teach mindfulness tools to educators to improve public education through the retention and engagement of you. The retention and engagement of highly qualified staff. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Second to Arrow on those uh, platforms. I also have a website where I blog about my journey. Uh, please join me in that. Chay and Pav, love you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Keep going. you're doing good work. Back to you guys. And that was Alison
0: Carmichael with her three Enlightened minutes. Thank you so much, Allison, for talking about Second Arrow with us.
1: I love the three enlightened minutes. But let's wrap up our episode on PD. So we gave a lot of this, a lot of that, but where did we want to come to with this episode? We understand it's self-driven PD, or our argument is that that's the best form of PD. But there's an understanding it's tough to monitor, it's tough to to use that to facilitate changing school culture per se. So by default, top-down PD is probably the one that's most commonly used, it's the one that's most reliable. But how can we impact that to be better for our school, better for how we can deliver lessons in our classroom. We wanna talk about teacher on teacher. Pav talked about stage on stage. We don't want stage on stage PD. We want teacher on teacher PD. As I'm a master, the teacher next door is a master. The teacher upstairs is a master. The teacher around the corner is a master. The teacher all the way down the hall, around the corner, past the gym, up the hall, by the clouds, they're a master. But I don't necessarily know what they're doing, even though we share the same building. You know what, I wanna learn from my fellow teacher. I want PD in my staff room or in my uh, sessions to be teachers in my building talking about what they're doing. Shared great practices. Because one, the activity is gonna be great, but two, I'm gonna know that once they tell me and they show me what they're doing, I can practice it. I can try it. I can go back for feedback. They can come and visit and see what I'm doing. I can reach out to them three weeks later. I can send them an email. I can pass them the hallway. There's constant validation. There's constant ways of working it out. And so I think so valuable that our school should really make teacher-on-teacher teacher PD shared best practices because it is ultimately the best way of teaching becomes the best way of teaching at staff meetings. Give me teachers that I can tap into and I can stay connected to.
0: A hundred percent. I completely agree with you, Che, that uh, we're going to learn best from the people in our own building. It's amazing. I would go, I can go weeks without seeing some of the teachers that exist in this building. So when we finally get together at, at staff meetings or on professional development days, it's really important to connect with those teachers. So Collaboration and reflection is key. We have to be able to spend a little bit of time in our professional development days and during those times to talk to the people that we work with. And so if we've got a little bit of direction, maybe we can come a little bit prepared. Maybe we can have maybe one grade team feature something that they've done. And then we go back and we talk about it. We work on it. We maybe create parallel tasks to see how we can deliver that same idea across different levels of curriculum. Um, We can tailor it to different uh, subject areas there's There's so much that we can do, but it needs to start with collaboration and reflection. And I like the part that you mentioned mentioned about inviting people into your classrooms. This is something that we don't do enough. We're so so many of us are so possessive of our spaces, and we get so uncomfortable when we welcome uh, people in, primarily because we're afraid of the judgment that we might receive. And this is where it all comes from.
1: I was gonna say I'm a professional educator. That's all I do is judge. I can size you up in a second.
0: <laughs> I know. I you just do. did. <laughs> Maybe that's why people don't invite you into their rooms.
1: Oh, <laughs> assumed. Please, Pat, finish up.
0: Uh, a couple of years ago, I um, I came across something called pineapple charts, and you educators that are out there probably know everything that I'm talking about here. But pine- I thought this was the funniest, the the awesome, the greatest thing. Um, the pineapple represents welcoming people. So, um, people started putting pineapples outside of their classrooms to signal when pictures of pineapples outside of their classrooms to signal when others were welcome to come in and explore the classroom and see what you were doing with your lesson. And maybe perhaps take a look at a a cool concept that you're working on in your classroom. Now you may not always be ready to welcome people in all the time. um, so there's there's like a a green yellow and red portion so of your pineapple of your pineapple so if if you've got the red part that means you know i'm trying something new may not be like an awesome lesson, but you're still welcome to come in to see how I'm working through this new concept or this new lesson idea that that I'm doing. And then yellow is like, yeah, we're kind of getting there. And then green is like, I've mastered this. You're welcome to come in and see how it should flow. And, you know, we've done this for a while now, but I thought it was such a nice idea because, you know, when you're on your prep time, you might want to go and chit chat with, with one of your teaching partners, or, or at least even go see what they're up to. And um, you see the pineapple is on green. You say, hey, let's go check out some new ideas, walk into their classroom and see what they're up to. So I really like that idea of pineapple charts.
1: That idea is fantastic. But honestly, if you want to get me in your room, I don't want to see a pineapple. Coffee and croissant, and I'm in every <laughs> time.
0: Or you got to have actual pineapple in your classroom, chopped up and you know ready for people to dive into.
1: Avec les crèmes les chocolats, les oh, c'est <laughs> magnifique, incroyable. I think it's time to that's wrap wonderful. this up. I don't go into the French accent too often. <laughs> no,
0: I think that's a pretty good time to cut cut you off there. <laughs> Must have been
1: too much pineapples when I came through that door.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, there's there's lots of different ways that we can we can make our top down PD better collaboration, reflection, talking to teachers, getting teachers to, um, you know, talk to one another and teach one another what they're up to in their classrooms. And then the follow up is there, as Che mentioned, as well, is. That this is not an instructor that's coming into your school to deliver one workshop and then he or she is gone and we never hear from them again. There's always going to be feedback and there's always going to be follow-up. And that is so key because then you keep the conversation going. It's not just uh, professional development that starts and finishes in one session. It's something that we can keep going and coming back to again and again. So, um... That's our episode for today.
1: I love this episode. Such great talk on PD. Love the three enlightened minutes. Let's wrap this up. Go check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. We're loving the conversations, loving connecting. And remember to inspire, don't require.